Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling via Zoom. All the way from London, I am in Minneapolis. Ben Gessling is in London. You might hear some Saints fans, apparently, in the background uh, from where you're currently recording, Ben, after the Vikings uh, escape with a win. Yes, uh, some Saints fans in the restaurant of the hotel. It's almost 1130 here, so... Uh, trying to get this one done before they kick us out. And uh, yeah, the, the first transatlantic edition of the Axis Vikings podcast. It is. And, and a one after a heck of a Vikings game after they escaped 2025, thanks to Greg Joseph's career high five field goals and a game winner from 47 yards. A lot of twists and turns to get to. But Ben, I guess I just want to leave it up to you. What was the thing that your big takeaway from this game as you're sitting, you know, hours after it ended? Um, and putting everything together from what you saw. I'm curious to to get your thoughts on just kind of what you saw and heard from everybody after the game, but what was the main takeaway from a game in which they were lucky pretty much to get a win against a decimated Saints team? Yeah, I, I think that was a lot of it. I mean, you have a situation where they scored on seven of their 11 possessions. I mean, really, that, that game could have been over. You could have been up 14 points in the first quarter. You could have been up 20 to 7, 21 to 7 at halftime. And they let everybody hang around. And I, I think there was, there was certainly a sense of, of relief in the locker room because it, it is a long night for them to get back. They basically had to wait, I think, about two hours to leave the stadium. The Saints, as the home team, get the first priority of when they want to leave. So the Vikings had to leave or had to wait for the Saints to go through security before you could even leave. So you think about going through all that and the long night to fly back if you lose that game. That's a, a different thing in terms of how you're going to feel about it. I think a lot of players felt like the, the plan they used uh, getting here Friday worked out fairly well. And there was, there was a sense of uh, the players felt prepared, felt ready to go. Um, but they missed a lot of things. I mean, they missed a lot of chances to kind of deliver the knockout blow early in that game. And that has happened two weeks in a row now where you start to say, well, whether it's getting behind or, or not just being able to finish the team off, that they missed a lot of, of opportunities that you say you're going to have to knock that off pretty soon, or you're not going to sit here and win every one of these games. Yeah. They were far from perfect in that game. I just so many drops too across the board from, from players, you know, at one point in the first half, especially the way the first half ended, I was thinking, how can Kevin O'Connell be so conservative with some of these things? But by the end of the game with the amount of mistakes I'd seen, I maybe started to understand it a little bit just because these guys were not playing maybe the best that we've seen them collectively play. Yeah, and it's it's one of those where so I was in the locker room when O'Connell was talking, and you, you're kind of trying to make the decision when you're when you're working on your own. And, and the, the thing you run into though is that there weren't a lot of Minnesota reporters here for this one, and that means that the questions after the game are going to be different. It was a lot of you know London reporters that want to hear from the for the 35th time how great it is to play here and what you thought of it. I mean, that question seems to come up every time, but you know, they're not looking to ask O'Connell, Hey, what was your thinking on fourth downs in the, in the second quarter? And you know, how does all that play into the overall strategy? I mean, that's a a thing we'll have to ask him about a little bit more later on, but um, yeah, I mean, it was one of those things. Yeah. Like you say, where when they missed that many opportunities, you very easily could have said, okay, let's just take the points and let's not count on the, the idea that we're going to come, in here and convert. But I think that the other thing to point out though, is that this was a team last year at this time that was one and three. It was Mike Zimmer after they lost to the Browns at home 
says, you guys are looking at stats way too much. I talked to Kevin Stefanski. He told me we have a good team. We need to stop sitting here saying that we're not good because we know that we are. It is a lot better to be sitting at three and one saying, man, we got a lot to work on than it is to be sitting at one and three saying, you know, we're a lot better than our record says we are. And sooner or later we'll show it. Well, you might, but your margin for error, if you don't, is just about gone. So saying we're three and one and we had to win a couple of these ugly is, is uh, not the worst thing in the world. I can't remember who it was, but somebody after the game did mention it might've been Patrick Peterson or Eric Hendricks about how, you know, this time last year, we weren't making these defensive stops at the end. Of yes. Games. It was we Peterson. Were, yeah. We weren't sealing these things. So I guess that might be the biggest takeaway of it too. And that if, if anything, at least they can win ugly, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the thing too, is you saw it last week, they got the stops when they had to have them. And today really, they, they kind of did in the sense that they didn't give up touchdowns. I mean, you're, you're giving up too many yards playing teams getting scoring position, but the play Cameron Dantzler made on the Chris Olave ball at the end, I asked Patrick Peterson about that afterwards, and, and he was raving about it. I mean, he basically said, this is one of the best games I've ever seen this guy play. He's starting to get it. He's starting to ask me a lot of these questions about how to handle these situations. Because let's remember, Cameron Dantzler, we talked about it last week too, the, the, the play in Seattle in 2020, the play against Detroit last year, you know, Patrick Peterson came out after that play in Detroit last year and said, this is what Cameron Dantzler should have done. And this is what did not happen. So for Peterson, I think to start to see some of the, the fruit from it. And he, he kind of walked through the technique of that play afterwards. He said, I asked him about it. He just goes, loved it, loved it. And he was pretty fired up about seeing what Dantzler did. And, and those types of plays change games. If you make those plays in one spot at the end in a close game, that is the difference between being 3-1-2-2 or 3-1-1-3, whatever you want to call it. They did not make a lot of those plays last year, and they need to get to the point where they can polish games off and not have them get to this point, but you know, we know how this works. Every one of these games in the NFL, there's a lot of games that come right down to the wire that just end up turning into two minute drills. And if you're able to make a stop or at least hold somebody to a field goal or make them kick it from 60, 61 yards, um, you know, you, you, I suppose you take your chances with some of those things. Yeah. This is the rare time where I'm sitting at home watching games on a Sunday when the Vikings are playing. And at some point on the red zone, you hear Scott Hansen say, we have seven of eight games or one score. And it's like the fourth quarter. Yeah. And they're like, we've never had that happen. It's like in a league full of parody. Um, yeah. t- today seemed to be even more of an egregious example of that. And, and the Vikings show that too, that no matter how they play, some of these games are still going to be tight. And well, and ben- really quickly, the, the parody thing, being over here talking to people, that is a feature, not a bug. Because the thing you hear from people over and over, and, and there is a sense that it's growing over here. I mean, there's a little bit more, the, the place was loud today and there was, I think more engagement with it. There's a little more understanding of the game than maybe some of the other previous times. It's a little less of a curiosity. And the thing talking to fans, including our guy, Neil, that, that uh, writes into access Vikings a lot. Neil and I went to soccer match, the West Ham soccer match last night. We went out for a couple beers afterwards. And one of the things he's talking about is that the premier league is so stratified where it's these teams that can buy players and, and they have big budgets and there's certain teams that know they have no chance. He said that the brilliance of the NFL, the reason you can get into it is you always have a chance that, that, that you have a draft. He said, you know, that doesn't happen in the premier league and, and you have teams that have feel like they have hope. They have a chance to win every year. That is not how 
things work over here. So when you have people starting to get into the game, that part of it, that every one of these things comes down to the end, that everybody says, hey, we're only a game out of it. We're in the hunt. We may roll our eyes at some of it, but the NFL knows that that is part of the business model. So they are going to play that up. They are going to try to create ways for that to happen more often. They love that all of these have wild hair on fire type finishes because it makes for great drama and they want to sell that because it works. You mentioned that fans over in Europe and London are starting to at least grasp um, the game a little bit more, start to understand the rules, start cheering for maybe some uh, offensive plays, not just kicks, but yes. this, <laughs> what did, what did you see and hear from sitting in that stadium? They must've loved this game with how many field goals there were. Well, that was the lead to my story because I talked to Eric Kendricks about it on Friday and he, he kind of laughed. He said, they love to watch the kicks. And I, that was basically my lead is if you love to watch the kicks, you got your money's worth today. I mean, there were, there were long, short, long field goals, short field goals, field goals we can argue shouldn't have happened, field goals that did happen because of a punt that didn't happen because they faked it. There's 60-yard field goals that go in. There's 61-yarders that double doink. I mean, there was lots of that stuff. I, I just I thought overall there was more of – there was more of a vibe in that stadium. It was, and it was maybe because I was sitting low enough to, to kind of get a better sense of it. But I remember Wembley Stadium in 2013, similar vantage point, similar size crowd. It was not anywhere near this engaged. And I think you had a lot of fans that probably came over for it too. I mean, there, there was certainly more of a, a loud Saints contingent, a loud Vikings contingent. And I, I don't think you saw quite those same things, that same roar from a crowd the same way in some of the other ones in the past. But I, overall, all of that seemed like it had taken a step forward today. And, and we'll see if that continues. But, yeah, I certainly think the NFL has reasons to feel like it's made some progress in whatever this endeavor it's trying to do in Europe is. Well, one good thing for the Vikings is uh, just that they'll be able to take back home with them is that they got the Justin Jefferson connection going again, 10 catches, 147 yards. He could have had an even yeah. bigger day had he not dropped a couple of those passes and one of them behind him in the end zone while Cousins was getting pressured. Um, I guess, Ben, the, their ability to just kind of seemingly flip the switch and reignite that uh, was probably one of the more positive takeaways I would imagine from this game, too. Yeah, and Jefferson kind of getting the, the matchup we thought he would get on Marshawn Lattimore. I mean, he's he's had corners play him physically the last couple of weeks, whether it's Darius Slade, Jeff Okuda, I think, had a better day than we've seen him have in the past couple of years. I, you know, this seemed like a tough matchup in a lot of ways with Lattimore. He's, he's a good corner, and he, he likes to get physical. I mean, Adam Thielen has had a lot of battles with him and had a big moment with him today in that pass interference. But Jefferson really, I thought the route running came out and – and he showed he can get off of press coverage and make things happen. I mean, that that has been a question with him at times is how is he going to play press coverage? And, and he really, on, on the one at the end of the game, he gets off the line, stacks on top of Lattimore, and the cousin throws a perfect ball. I mean, that that is the recipe for it. If you're going to play him man coverage, there's no safety back there. He said, we knew we wouldn't have a safety. We knew Lattimore would want to take me one-on-one. And, you know, he's getting to that point where when he's – on and he's clicking with cousins even a, a tough one-on-one -on -one matchup he should be able to win those more often than not and you certainly saw today uh, more often than not he did get the best of march on Lattimore. the route running i thought was, was really crisp as it often is with him but uh i i thought he had a really strong day if it, like you say if he catches the touchdown that's behind him off his hands probably should catch that still 
um, it's an even better day for him. All right. We got a lot of questions here on Twitter, um, a rare post game mailbag, but it, it was a game that was kind of deserving of one, certainly. And a lot of the questions were revolving around the defense after the Vikings give up touchdown drives in the second half of 83 and 75 yards to help them crawl back into that game. Um, so Ben, I want to get to, I'm pulling them up here quick. I want to get to a couple of them regarding the defense. Um, Somebody wants to know, where is the blitz at? Why are we not pressuring quarterbacks? It seems like we sit back there all the time and let them pick us apart. Uh, it seems like people have had an issue with the philosophy of the Ed Donatello yeah. approach in some of these games. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I and mean, I thought the coverage overall, I mean, we didn't see quite as much of the soft shell zone stuff, or at least they didn't get burned with it quite as much. But, yeah, not a lot of pressure on Andy Dalton beyond um, – yeah, I think they ran Harrison Smith out there once. They on a blitz late in the game. Uh, but, yeah, Zedarius Smith certainly had his moments. But we really haven't seen a lot from Daniel Hunter. And they haven't been adding to it, really, with, with a lot of blitz stuff there. And, and They got run on today, too. I thought that was the other big concern. Even without Alvin Kamara, they got run on a lot. And it was hardball runs up the middle. It was Mark Ingram, Latavius Murray, Taysom Hill in a couple spots where it's just, we're going to line up and run it down your throat. And that's not a good thing when you have Dalvin Thomas and Harrison Phillips up front. You're playing lighter boxes a lot of times. That's that's kind of a feature of this defense, so you're going to get run on some. But I thought the way that the Saints kind of got back in this thing today was saying, let's go run the ball and make you stop us. And they quite often weren't able to do that. They were not. They were not. And, and for the moments you mentioned Cam Dantzler, obviously, at the end there, they had some of their moments. But just in terms of the pass rush, we're not really seeing it. Daniel Hunter had a, a rough time against Ryan Ramchek, the really good right tackle for the Saints. The Saints, the Saints were missing some of their players in there on the offensive line. So I think you saw some pressures getting in there. But um, Zedarius was coming off that knee injury, too. So then just in general, from what you've heard from London, how was he doing going into this game? Was he 100 percent? Um, or was it one where he was just kind of pushing through it? Yeah, I mean, it, it seemed like Friday O'Connell was pretty optimistic about it. He said we wanted to get him off the plane and kind of see how he did. They, they got quite a bit in with him on Friday. I was a little bit surprised that it was that good. And, and O'Connell said he's you know, trending in the right direction, that he's out for pregame warm-ups. You're, you're kind of saying, this looks like he's going to go. It was not one of those where the trainer was sitting there saying, let me see how you move, let me see kind of, how you're feeling as much. Um, it seemed fairly settled by that point that he was going to go. And, uh, you know, we'll have to see how he comes out of that in the next couple of days here. But, um, yeah, overall, I, I, that was a positive sign, I think, that he was able to bounce back from that like he did. But, yeah, you, you need more out of Daniel Hunter, and, and Ramchek is an awfully tough matchup. But uh, you're going to need those guys to be more disruptive pretty soon because that's the, the linchpin of that pass rush. Todd wants to know, why does KOC seem to have bad time management issues in games? Um, certainly toward the end of that first half, them burning yeah. all that clock. I think it was 40 seconds there within the one-minute mark when they had three timeouts and they had just gotten the ball off of a turnover. And they kind of waste a shot at a, at a touchdown. Yeah. And they did the, the previous drive, too, on fourth and one when they kick a field goal from 28 yards out. Uh, ben, I know you mentioned that Kevin didn't address those because you weren't at the press conference at that game. But what did you think? What was just your uh, um, thought seeing that, considering that we've seen Kevin O'Connell act completely differently in those moments? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I did not like the fourth and one. I, I thought that's one where you go for it and try to put your foot on the gas, especially getting a yard. I mean, I, I think you have enough ability to, to say we've, we've got ways to do it, whether it's, you know, cook outside, run something up the middle. Um, some of the Jefferson stuff that you can either hand in the ball or just use motion to try to draw the defense's eyes. I, I think there's enough ways to say we can get a yard that I, I was a little surprised they didn't go for that. Um, yeah, and, and the time management at the end of that first half really just didn't make a ton of sense because Cousins hit, I think he had Jefferson for no gain, and then they, let, they just let the clock run. And then the O'Neill false start didn't help. O'Neill had kind of a tough day today. But, uh, yeah, it's just it didn't seem like they were in any hurry. And you had three timeouts. It just – I would be very curious to hear if that was on purpose or if that was something where they lost track of it or just kind of – felt tentative about what their possibilities were after the one that went for no gain. And maybe it's that maybe the play goes for no gain. It's not get stopped and give them 25 seconds to try to come down the field and get something of their own maybe. But um, yeah, I, I didn't, I wasn't crazy about the way they handled either of those. Cause that, you know, you have a couple chances there where the saints are. Oh, looks like we lost Ben on the other end of the line. That's what happens when you're 4,000 miles away. Uh, we should mention Ben had to run to write a bunch of things before he comes back to Minnesota. Uh, we should mention safety Lewis seen injured, fractured his left leg in the game. Um, Kevin O'Connell said after the game, he is going to stay in London at an area hospital where he's going to undergo, undergo surgery to get that leg repaired. Obviously his season is done and Lewis seen will come back to the U S when he can. Uh, that is according to Kevin O'Connell. Um, from there, though, we will talk to you guys next time on Wednesday from TCO uh, Performance Center in Egan, where the Vikings will have a quick turnaround six days later to face and host the Chicago Bears at U.S. Bank Stadium. Yeah, do what my, my wife tries to tell me sometimes and say less, so I'll say less.